Protecting your assets for the next generation. You're listening to The Strong Room, a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to The Strong Room. I'm Peter Watts. We begin today with some comments from financial author and commentator Kelly Keene on the subject of phone and email scams and the vulnerability of seniors in particular. What happens if you call the number back is sometimes that's a scam where they um, try to entice you to say something on the phone and get you to agree to something that later then um, they're sending you out stuff that, that charging your credit card. It's, uh, there's a number of ways that they can get you there. Or just even that you're engaged, that the fact that you called back, that makes you an active um, you know, potential victim for the future. So you're right. That's number one. But number two, see... This is where it gets a big, bit tricky, Peter. As you said, you don't answer the phone. You let the, the, the machine take it. But even if it, you recognized, like I said, if they're spoofing and you recognized the number, there still you know, is that, that um, tendency that you might answer the phone because it looks like it's your bank calling or it looks like it's your credit card company calling or something of that sort. So I think you're right on the, the nose with, even if it is a legitimate call and it is your bank, it is your lawyer, it is someone, um, you're right, I think they're going to leave a message. And you could even put that on your message recorder. Look, I, because of the incredible occurrence of, of spam calls, of fraudulent calls, um, please leave me a message. I do not, as a rule, answer my phone. The fraudsters aren't going to leave you a message. Uh, I mean, there are the odd case that they do, but, but 99% of the time they're not going to. Is there a list of four or five or 10 red flags for you? When it comes specifically to the phone scams? Yes. Yeah. So with the phone scams, uh, number one, never believe the caller ID that, that that is who's actually on the line. Number two, there, when, when these fraudsters do call, and, and like I said, this is the important part about knowing the basics, they always kind of <clears throat> start with something really vague, like your computer uh, has been compromised, your credit card's been compromised, your child or, or grandchild has been um, arrested or kidnapped. There's, and it's always vague. They don't use the name. They don't use necessarily your credit card number. They try to get get you to now give some information. They try to get you to go to your computer for you to go and give them your credit card number. So it's really to stop, assume that every single person that calls you, even if you think it's a familiar voice, because they're trying to trick people with, um, you know, one scam that's going on with the ransom scam is they play this child screaming, uh, and, and it would be very hard to de- decipher if, in fact, that is your child or your grandchild, and they're trying very hard to get the person to get scared, and we don't make the best decisions when we're scared. We don't make the best decisions if we're woken up uh, in the middle of the night or maybe out of a nap or something of that sort. So, um, you know, don't answer the phone. If you do answer the phone, someone yelling at you, hang the phone up, you have the right to hang the phone up. You do not have to do anything these people are are saying. If they're threatening you that you're going to go to jail, you didn't pay your taxes, something of that sort, keep in mind that you, anything of any urgency, 
that you owed money, for example, you would have received something coming in the mail. You would not just get a call of somebody yelling at you. So just to try to step back, hang up the phone, do not ever, ever give any credit card, personal information, date of birth, social insurance number, any information to anyone phoning, even if you think it's legitimate, you think it's your financial person, you think it's your banker, and you're not quite sure why they're calling, hang up the phone and get the phone number yourself for your bank, for your your financial person. Then call them up and say, hey, was that in fact you? Um, So lots of stuff, Peter, that you can do to try to not be a victim of these fraudsters. Are these fraudsters uh, trying to perpetrate their uh, activities by email as well as by telephone? You bet. Yeah, you bet. They're trying to get... Uh, again, seniors especially, but but let's make no mistake about it. Everyone from every age group has, has been a victim and can be a victim of this. We live in a very fast-paced world. We don't necessarily know what's real and what's not real anymore, so that's why we have to slow down. So, yes, they are targeting seniors especially through email, through text messages, Peter, through Facebook messages, uh, Instagram messages, really anywhere that you would be checking a message, uh, they are doing their best to catch you off guard. And let's say, for example, you have been a victim of some kind of a security breach that you're aware of. We heard last year about the Equifax security breach. There's lots of them with Yahoo, with all kinds of different companies. And let's just say that... Um, the fraudster caught you and you did have a, a, that type of an account and the text or the email or the Facebook message or what have you says, oh, you know, you've got to change your password right now because if you don't, you're going to be locked out or maybe it's something to do with if it's a Friday afternoon at four and your bank account, this email might say your bank account has been compromised and if you don't click on here right now and take care of this, it's going to be um, locked up for a week and you're not going to get access to your money. Well, wow, that could scare a person. And if you're new to being on a computer, if you're new to email, new to Facebook, even if you're not, Peter, a lot of people tell me that they were busy and they accidentally clicked on something that looked really good. It looked like it was from their bank. It looked like a family member had emailed them money and and they didn't think anything of it and they clicked. It looked like a friend sent them a joke and they double clicked on the attachment and now they have a virus on their computer that is logging everything that they do. So um, take away there too. I know this starts to sound really overwhelming and complex, like, oh my goodness, should I even go on Facebook or check my email? Yeah, absolutely. Don't be scared. But if you're really new to technology, maybe you need to take a class. All the senior centers have really great classes you can take. Maybe if you have a, you know, someone in your life that's really tech savvy, they can have, you know, you can have them maybe just like once, once a month, give you a little lesson uh, for maybe 10 or 15 minutes just to kind of catch you up on, on what to look for. But it's, it's, it's powerful uh, in a great way to connect you to the world. And I want seniors to use technology. It's beautiful. Facebook is a great, great thing to keep you in touch with your family. But you definitely need to know the red flags of when someone is pretending to be who they're not so they can get your information. Now we turn our attention to the family farm or ranch. 
Canadian Federation of Independent Business has just completed a survey of attitudes towards red tape. Marilyn Braun Pollen, Vice President of the Prairie Region of the CFIB, speaks to some of the findings. We look at the federal tax changes, the new income sprinkling rules, and um, from an ag perspective, um, it, it will have a significant impact. And that's why uh, one of our paperweight finalists, so the worst of the worst examples of red tape, Finance Minister Bill Morneau, um, is a paper finalist and the reason for that is for adding more complexity and uncertainty in, into the tax code by imposing this subjective reasonableness test on on uh, entrepreneurs on farmers who share income with family members and we know that you know farmers um, are worried about um, that these new rules are not going to reflect the formal and informal way that that family members participate uh, in in a business and and um, it just it just really makes you wonder if common sense was just parked on the side of the street and left there because these rules are going to add a whole new level of red tape that the government um, has not fully understood. Do you see signs that farmers are prepared to leave the business as a result? Well, one of the findings we found is that um, nearly 40 percent uh, of our agribusiness uh, owners um, said they wouldn't advise their their uh, their children to start a business given the burden of, of red tape. And so when when you look at that, um, that's a concern because, um, you know, how are we going to have that next generation um, uh, of farmers, uh, uh, you know, take over the farm? We know that succession, I mean, succession is a huge issue. You know, 70 percent of of of, uh, of farmers who have a succession plan, they're going to retire uh, in the next decade. And so flooding the sector with this unnecessary red tape is only going to make it tougher to make that transition to the next generation of, of, uh, of, of farmers. And so, you know, we have got the research that, that shows excessive regulation and red tape um, it, it is stifling, is stifling the, the, uh, the industry. And, and so, you know, what we're saying today is that red tape does hit home closest for farmers. Our research shows that farmers are hardest hit um, and, and farmers just don't have time to sit on the phone waiting for the government to answer a question or fill out piles of confusing paperwork uh, in the middle of calving or seeding. Um, and, and so we want government to, all levels of government to, to sit up and, and, and take note. And, and there, you know, there is some progress being made uh, with other governments, be it, you know, the government of Saskatchewan has, has taken a, a very serious approach to reducing unnecessary red tape. And even Manitoba, they went from a grade of a D plus in tw- last year to an A. Um, that's the kind of report card you want to take home. Uh, Alberta's report card of an F is, is certainly not one that you want to be taking home and, and does show the government's got a long ways to go uh, to, to improve and, and, and reduce uh, the, the unnecessary red tape impacting uh, farmers and entrepreneurs in, in the province of Alberta. If you've thought about how vulnerable you might be to paying too much tax, or if you want to be sure your assets are protected, why not make plans to attend an upcoming Macmillan seminar? There are three of them planned in the next month. The first one is in Edmonton on Wednesday evening, February 21st at 7 p.m. The second is in Calgary on Thursday evening, February 22nd at 7 p.m. The third one is on Wednesday, February 28th at 6 p.m. in Red Deer. You can pre-register for any of the seminars online at macmillanestate.com. In Calgary, you can also call the office to pre-register weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464. You've spent a career developing 
developing an estate. Why would you not want to protect what you've built? Contact Macmillan Estate Planning today. And we'll continue in a moment on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.